Well, good morning, everyone. It's really good to have you here today. And in a few minutes, we're going to look at some scripture together. But before we do that, we're going to take the offering. And before we take the offering in a, um, in a, a true effort to be transparent and have some accountability before you and let you know how we're doing, if you're a guest with us today, this weekend is a little bit different for us. It's uh, my first weekend in the pulpit uh, and, and preaching, if you will, at the, at this year. And so we do some things differently on that first weekend each year. And today, I just want to quickly to just kind of let our congregation like have, a, have a, a family meeting very quickly to bring up the speed of what's going on. That a lot of people give at the offering time that right now, but there are a variety of different ways, whether it be online, and we receive a significant amount of, I think it's like 30% of our income, if you will, as a church comes through online. Um, and we have a lot of people give through the kiosk. You can give through your smartphone these days. And I just want to say thank you for the way in which you did a stellar job with that in 2014. As a matter of fact, again, guests, hang with me here, but just let you know how we did, Okay. In, in 2014, the giving record of our congregation was beyond anything we've ever had in the past. So thank you for that. Here are some figures. In the general fund, for example, we received some 2.6, pardon me, $1.8 million. And um, that's the light bill, that pays the light bill. And some money there is dedicated to outreach in the community particularly and some overseas outreach. But uh, for the most part, uh, the general fund is how we pay the light bill and pay salaries and so forth and so on, including the salaries of people who are working outside the walls of the church, if you will. We also had great results in the Beyond campaign. It came to a conclusion in December. It was a three-year capital campaign. I wanna thank you for your giving um, in 2014 for that. Over the three years, we raised over a million dollars, which uh, made a significant difference. Um, in the life of our church, 30% of those dollars, though, go away from the church. 70% goes to the mortgage, the other 30% goes to um, endeavors outside the life of the church. And then in addition to that, you designated a significant amount of money where you said, here, I'm giving money to the church, but I want to be certain that you guys give it away. And so the figure on that is $408,000, just absolutely remarkable. Thank you for your intentional understanding that we are a congregation, that it's not about us. And that figure right there, let alone the monies, that, the 30% out of the beyond and the monies that come out of the general fund, that figure right there is substantial, as you can imagine. And then the miscellaneous uh, comes in behind that. Then one more outreach that we had this past year, as we said, in December, can you help us make plans to uh, buy a ministry center down in the block area, which is our area of the block where we take care of a neighborhood just immediately south of DMH? And you came, I was hoping that maybe we could raise about $70,000 which would cover the cost of a house and do some other things with the building project we're doing. This is how you did, $141,000 in December. Thank you for that. It's absolutely stunning. I, I'm, I'm kind of bowled over by it all, and I want to thank you for that. A great year. We ended up with $79,000 to the good. That's after we had, you know, we've got that building project going, and the first $150,000 or so we thought we'd take from savings to get it jump-started. We didn't even do that. We took $136,000 out of the general money that you gave last year, and with conservative spending on our part here, um, we didn't even touch the savings account. And in fact, we're putting $79,000 into savings uh, for the coming year and for that project. So can you congratulate yourself? I want to say thanks. And uh, I don't want to belabor the point, but just thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, we'll see what God's going to do in our lives together this coming year. Let's pray about the offering today. Lord, I thank you for the 
generosity of this congregation and the way in which that plays out in individual lives. That's good news, Lord. And uh, you're teaching us to be generous people. We're striving how to figure that out daily within our own households and within the church. And God, I just thank you that when it comes to the amount of dollars that came in and the dollars that we were able to extend to other people and about their lives. So it's not about our building or anything like that, about lives in this community, lives around the world. Thank you, God, for your great work through us. We anticipate, Lord, similar things in the coming year. Work within us, we pray, in the name of Christ. Amen. Amen. So as the ushers come, again, thank you for your giving. And one of the ways in which I thought it would be helpful for you to learn a little bit about what we did in 2014 would be to um, see where some of those dollars went. For example, to hear a story, last weekend, or going over the, over the New Year's weekend, um, we had bought some tickets a long time ago for 50 college students from our church to go to an event called the Passion Conference in Atlanta. And, and uh, we asked them to help out a little bit, but we supported that strongly. And I'm asking Tim McElroy to come and join me on stage right now today. He's one of the guys who went and we'll hear a little bit about from him. And uh, Tim, welcome today. It's good to have you here. Uh, it's working. Yeah, it's working. Yeah. So tell everybody where are you from, first of all. I'm from Mount Zion. If you're Mount Zion, and what school do you go to? I go to Milliken University now. What are you studying? I'm a sophomore and I'm pursuing uh, being a physical education teacher and then coaching in the area, most likely. And then I'm going to get a master's in administration and become a principal. A principal. Like, I can hardly wait to see you as, a, yeah. as like an elementary school principal. Exactly. Right, right. That's exactly. what you want to do? Yep. Can you imagine this guy, third grade, he walks in the room. Good morning, Mr. McElroy. That's what it's going to be like. Are you ready? It's going to be like that, okay? So, um, how do we hook up with you to get you to go to Passion? Um, at Milliken, there's a group called InterVarsity that Pastor Josh uh, leads and helps out with. I was actually telling one of my friends, yeah, I wish I could go to Passion someday. And she was like, you know that uh, Josh is taking people right. And I had no idea. So Josh contacted me and... The rest is history. Yeah. And so you guys left, was it New Year's Day or the day before? You left New Year's Day. Yes. Thursday. And you got home Sunday night, Monday morning. Yes. All right. It was, what was that like traveling with all those guys? Um, I actually anticipated that it was going to be, like I didn't know a whole lot of people on the bus at first. And... I thought it was going to be headphones in, non-social, <laughs> 10 hours on a bus. But really, everyone, I was really surprised. Everyone was very social, and it was like a very good time. And I met a lot of people at this church, and a lot of good relationships made. Okay, so tell me what the, what the conference was like. When I told people what the conference was like, it was 20,000 college students choosing to come together to worship Jesus. Uh, there was a lot of great speakers and wonderful music, and just a lot of lives changed, and it wasn't like anything I've ever experienced before where you go to a camp for a week and you're all excited and then you come back, you know, always fun. We played games, but it was more of worshiping from 5 p.m. to like, it was like 12.30. Really? And we'd be done, I'm tired, and I get up in the morning to do the same thing. So, but it was great. I loved it. I mean, so what, okay, here you are, you what, 20 years old? Yes. All right, you come back, you go to an event like this. What does a 20-year-old come back with at that event? The, mo the best thing I got out of it was um, there was a pastor, Carl Lentz, and he was, his message was occupy all streets. And the main thing behind it was no matter where you are, what job, like at work, at school, um, McDonald's, wherever you are, there's room for someone's life to be changed and a big influence. And I started, I was telling Josh how 
I'm an RA at Milliken, and I have 46 young men in my hall that I have a huge influence on in many ways. And I'm just trying to pray and think about ways how I can really make an impact on these people's lives. Now, are they juniors, seniors? They're or, all freshmen. They're all freshmen. Yeah. Green, big, big white eyes. Yeah. Compared to you, the experienced guy, right? Yeah. yeah. Really. <laughs> Ask a lot. It's it it been a good time. I enjoy it, but you know, yeah, just. So, what are you going to do, do you think? What are you going to do with them? Um, I'm just not, I'm trying to think of ways. I mean, I already have, I have a Bible study actually on my floor. And there's no door where we have. Any... Hey, we can come down here. Okay, we're, cool. we're, we're, we seem to be walking away from stage. Yeah. There we go. All right. These people over here are pretty kind. These are really good, but these guys are fairly kind <laughs> as well. Um, in the in the lobby in the lounge, there's no door, and we have like a Bible study, and there's like ten of us or so in there, and you got people playing like loud music and walking in the hall, and then like poking their head in, and they're like wondering like what's this and. Like, what is this? I'm like, we're in the Bible study, dude. Like, come hang out with us. Like, it's pretty cool. I'm just trying to think of ways and how not to be, um, you know, pushy or anything right. like that, you know? I wish you the best in that, man. Yeah, Can thank you, you thank him for telling us what thank happened? You so We sent 50 of them there. You can see him. I'll go, flip back to that previous slide there. He's up there on the left, uh, he, a blue T-shirt. You had a goatee then last week, okay, all right. You shaved it off, all right. So um, I, it, here's our intent today. And I need to be just straight up, particularly for guests, so maybe this is a little bit unusual. This first weekend that I'm in the pulpit of each year, we, for the last eight or 10 years, we've said, okay, can we do, if you will, for lack of a better term, a state of the church? What happened the year past? Where are we going in the year in front? And um, just hear what God might be saying and doing among us together. So I'm going to bring a lot of stuff to you today. I want to set it all, though, within the context of some scripture. I want you to take your Bible, please, and turn to Luke chapter 10. If you don't have a Bible, you'll notice there's one in the pew rack in front of you there. And um, we're going to, as a matter of fact, if you don't own a Bible, take that one home as our gift to you, all right? And we're going to begin in verse 38. Just to set the stage for this, this is a story that you've probably heard or read before if you've been in church for a while. And uh, you would say, well, how on earth can this be used in any way to talk about the future and what happened in the past? See if you can hang with me in this, okay? We're going to read about three people, Jesus and two ladies, Mary and Martha. Uh, Jesus is visiting Martha's house. Her sister Mary is there. And uh, we, from what we can understand, these two ladies were some of the early adopters, if you will, of Jesus' ministry. Uh, you, you think about Jesus' disciples, we often quickly jump to the 12 men who traveled with Jesus um, from the early days of his ministry all the way to his death and resurrection. But there were other disciples who were early disciples prior to the resurrection of Jesus Christ who said, we believe in what Jesus is doing and maybe their circumstances, particularly as women in those days, they wouldn't have had the opportunity to travel with Jesus like the guys did. So these, these women are early disciples of Jesus and you see them throughout Scripture regularly, and I'm going to point some of those stories out to you, but let's start with this one in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. In essence, what you've got is Jesus shows up, they follow Jesus, they, they, they like what Jesus is doing, they're into what he's doing, 
Uh, they're buying into his message. And Mary is so enthralled by it, she just sits at Jesus' feet and says, tell me all about it. Martha feels some responsibility as the hostess that she's got to make a meal. And there's a little bit of conflict between the two ladies as to how that's going to play out. Because, verse 40, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She's in the kitchen. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. You get the sisterly love, right? Okay, and then, go, and then Jesus goes back with a, a fascinating response. Martha, Martha, it's almost like Jan. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. So, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it won't be taken away from her. So here's these two ladies in a little bit of conflict together, but you need to know that they must have resolved the conflict because they are found throughout all of Scripture in the New Testament and the story around Jesus. It's not just this one time. For example, in John chapter 12, Jesus ends up back at the house again on another, on another occasion, and this time instead of just the three of them having dinner together, uh, all the bigwigs from town are invited. And as would be the custom at a formal dinner, the, the guests arrive and the host would be responsible to make certain that everyone's feet was clean before dinner. So uh, they would wash the feet of their guests because they've been out walking in dusty roads with sandals. And so when Jesus arrives, right in the middle of dinner, Mary does something very, very unusual. It kind of shocks us in our culture. It is, was almost just as shocking then, not washing the feet, but what she did. Mary takes a jar of very expensive perfume Instead of using water to wash his feet, she pours that perfume all over Jesus' feet and then she dries it with her hair. And everybody's stunned and kind of confused at what's going on and we've looked at that passage in the past, but that's the same house. Then you've got this, the ladies again. And when you get to the end of Jesus' earthly life, they're there in the middle of it right there. As Jesus has died and is being married, you've got being buried, pardon me, Mary is right there at the tomb as Jesus' body is going in. The next morning, when Jesus is risen from the dead, it's Mary who's, along with some other ladies, are at the tomb again to anoint Jesus' body and they find out that he's resurrected. It's a fascinating theological statement that's being made about all this. Because you've got to think about the place of women in, in the culture in that day. They were considered second-class citizens. Seriously, second-class citizens not just like a little bit less than men, second-class citizens. And yet, think about what happens through, as a result of Scripture pointing out that the first people, the first gender to know that Jesus is alive are the ladies. Fascinating comment about the importance of women and the New Testament lifts and elevates the role of women completely. So here in this story here in, in Luke chapter 10, Pastors, preachers, teachers have often used this, and legitimately so, to say, okay, what's the point? What do we pull out of here? We pull out that if we're going to walk with Jesus and do what Jesus says we should do, then we need to spend some time with him. You can't just keep doing, doing, doing. You can't be in the kitchen all the time. You've got to go out and you've got to sit and say, okay, Jesus, what about this? What about that? And folk in my profession have legitimately used this passage of scripture to point that out. Um, and fair enough, that's good biblical exegesis. That is good textual evaluation of what's going on here. That if you only do, 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 do for Jesus, 
it begins to lose its potency and its viability if you're not also with Jesus. And so we say, hey, you've got to have a little bit of both. You can't just be a couch potato with Jesus. That's not right. You've got to do some things as well. And so we've got to have this balance in life. I think as Christians, we're looking for this quest of figuring out, okay, how do I spend time in rest and study and listening? And then at the same time, how do I be certain that I go do? And there are lots of places in Scripture where we're called to go do as well. And to say, okay, I'm going to follow what Jesus says. There are examples of that a lot. We, of, of both cases, in Psalm 46, on this side, if you will, there's a statement that says, be still and know that I am God. When was the last time you were just quiet before God? Hopefully during communion, just in, 10 minutes ago, you kind of <clears throat> Lord, I want to hear from you. And just be quiet. Or maybe at the house, where you just got this moment where you're spending some quietness before God and in the coming year, you're going to do that? Martha seemed to miss that. On the other hand, though, sometimes we've lambasted Martha too quickly and not realized that Scripture does call us to do some things as well. Think about Jesus. Right before he went to heaven, one of the things he told us, most important commission that has ever been given to any human is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That's not a lot of sitting. That's not a lot of listening. That is, you know, it's based on over here, I listen, I be still and let God be God. And then once I've, once I've got my soul settled before God, then I go do. The life of a Christian should be this. I sit, I listen, I read. What does the scripture say to me? What would the Holy Spirit whisper to my heart as I'm reading scripture? And then based on that, I go do. It should be the same for a church. If congregations are made up of individual Christians... What is God saying to me? When was the last time you had some personal study? Some personal listening? And then based on that, what am I going to do? So in that spirit this morning, of us as a congregation who say we listen and we pray and we seek God in a lot of things. We had an elders meeting and an admin team meeting this past week where the focus of it was we were seeking God for some specific answers to some specific questions we have about the life of our church. What happened, what did we do and what happened as a result of us as a congregation listening and being quiet before God? What happened in the last year? A couple things I want to draw your attention to first and that is I'll just say it straight up. We had a bumper crop when it comes to babies. <laughs> and you all must have listened a lot and then went a lot of doing. <laughs> and made a lot of babies. Thank you. Thank you. As a matter of fact, in November, we had a... Um, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> Okay, so in November, we had a, an opportunity for those 
Uh, young babies that we, that we could corral. Uh, we had a, a baby dedication service. I want you to see a photo of all those children that uh, were dedicated in November. Isn't that a... And it, let me tell you, was, we did it out in the lobby, a space. It was a noisy event. But man, was it fun to see all those children and families gathered around those children saying, God, thank you for this baby you've brought into our, into our family's life. And those are cool events. When the next one comes along... I don't know how much room we all, we, we seem to run out of room at those events, but um, see if you can't get a seat. It's a really cool event. And that, 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 those group of kids joined the group of kids that we did earlier on in the year. Here's another photo of another group that we did. And uh, we, ha- we just had lots of babies throughout the year. And congratulations to all you parents. We have more babies on the way. That's really cool. And incidentally, may I say, we have another set of twins coming. I don't know what it is. If you've been part of the life of this church, you know that we seem to have a lot of multiple births around here. I mean, we have multiple multiples, so much so that we've put put a group together for the mums of multiples. And um, at first, I always thought it was a group where they could just swap stories. I've now come to understand it's actually a support group. And they stand up at the beginning of each beginning of each group and say, "My name is so and so, and I have multiple children." <laughs> no, they don't quite do that, but yeah. <laughs> but you get the idea. It's, and so I just want to say congratulations to all the parents who had babies in this past year, and we're looking forward to more coming this year. Uh, in regards to babies, something else happened. Uh, we maybe want, 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 that language is a little bit foreign, but we had a lot of people begin and declare their faith in Jesus Christ in 2014. And uh, a lot of them, you could say we're baby Christians and they're growing now and, and uh, they're doing better. And, uh, and one of the big important things for them this past year was to say, I belong to Jesus Christ. And they made that statement through baptism. And we managed to capture a photo or a video shot of each of those baptisms in 2014. Take a look at the screens and celebrate with me just how cool this is.
I can't see that. This is the third time I've seen it without realizing that's what it's all about right there, guys. We, we, can, we can work till Jesus comes back and do all kinds of crazy things and jump through whatever hoops, but that's what it's all about right there. For, for us to come to the place where we can help people make a decision and say, I want to declare my faith in Jesus Christ and I'm doing it through baptism. I'm being obedient. You can't, can you congratulate those people? <laughs> it's great news and it's really cool to see. And I, I would say this, if, if that's, that's the coolest it gets right there, between that and the babies, we could all might as well just go home now and say it's been good, right? <laughs> But in light of the babies, in light of the baptisms, in light of this story of Mary and Martha, what can we say about our life together in the coming year? Well, can I start with this room? And that is to say that in order to do some of the things that God's calling us to do in 2015, we need to first listen and learn. And that's the point of Luke's story of Mary and Martha. As Pastor Brian said last week, I encourage you, make it a priority this year that you would have personal time with God and then you'd make a commitment to corporate worship. Here's what we know in this regard. We know that some 1,800 people worship with us at least 10 times a year. In other words, this is their church home. They're not here a whole lot compared to 52 weekends a year, but this is their church home. We know that it's only about half of the people of our congregation who make it to church about half the time. I get it life and calendars and responsibilities and everything, but may I suggest that a better life approach for each of us as individuals in the coming year would be to center each week, each week's responsibilities and each week's work in the kitchen, if you will, start by sitting and listening and learning and saying, I'm gonna sit at the feet of Jesus. I'm not Jesus, Brian's not Jesus, I get that. But together can we open God's word and see if we can't learn something together? And then, throughout the week, you've got something to work with in your own personal time. Would you consider making a greater commitment to being in worship on a regular basis? Once we've done that, then we'll step into a doing mode. And I need to tell you some of the things that we're gonna do this coming year, for example, this year, we're gonna complete the children's ministry space that's already under construction in the, um, in the activity center. It, it's a mission-oriented project. Let me explain it this way. We say, as a congregation, that beginning in 2015, for the next 10 years through 2025, we wanna reach 10% of our community for Christ, 10% of the people in our community who don't know Jesus Christ. And get them connected with our church or another church in the community. And in order to do that, we've got to make room for them. We want them to come and to listen, to hear what Jesus might say to them through Scripture, and we want them to get engaged in ministry. It's what we believe here at First Christian Church, that we exist to develop devoted followers of Jesus Christ through growing and serving together. That's what we believe we do, what God has called us to do. We have a timeless message, that is, the story of Jesus, in, Jesus Christ in grace changing lives. Changing lives now and changing lives for eternity. That's our goal. We want to make that happen. And in order to do that, the message will always stay the same, but we know that the vehicle of that message shifts constantly as needs warrant. And that's why we're saying the building 
on that back end of the kids' space is no longer meeting our needs and no longer meeting the needs of the community. So can we shift things a little bit? And so we're spending a lot of money. We're spending $1.8 million back there between now and May. We've already started, and I've got good news for you. Much of it is already funded. Your gifts to the Beyond Capital campaign came to a close last month, and you did great on that, but I'm also aware that some of you were smart enough to say, yeah, yeah, but, well, you're saying what's next? I need to tell you, in the coming year, you can expect a vision campaign to be launched right after Easter. It's not a three-year campaign, it's an 18-month campaign that will, coincide, that will come to an end in May, which will coincide, ironically, at the time when we complete the children's wing and we will be more or less launching that campaign as we move in. And uh, as soon as we do that, the building planning team is gonna meet again and begin a new endeavor that's gonna take anywhere, for, I think, from 18 to 24 months, and that is to prepare um, a new sanctuary for us on the south end of the activity center. We already have some preliminary drawings of what that's gonna look like, but we have not spent a great deal of time yet in terms of working out the details of it. So we're gonna spend about two years, I think, working that out. And here's, here's the reality of it. Why are we doing that? Because if we're gonna say that we're gonna increase outreach endeavors in 2015, which we are, we simply need more space. That's it, bottom line. And you graciously gave us, us, you, us, gave us funds to say we're going to start a, that ministry project down in the block just immediately south of DMH. That's going to bring people here. And so we've got to have room for them. And then the family ministries department, they've got some projects coming for us this coming summer, which are really cool too, that are going to bring more people here. Namely, remember last fall we did that prayer circle and we gathered around the whole city in seven spaces around the city. And on that Sunday night, we prayed. Well, now that we've prayed over those areas, we're going to then go back to those areas or areas similar. And we took the pilot project of what we did in the block down by DMH, and we did those block parties there, which we're going to continue to have this year. But this summer, we're going to take them into your neighborhoods as well. So that rather than you saying to your friends or your family, hey, come to church with me, we're going to take the church to them. And we're going to say, we're going to come to you and allow you to experience the people of First Christian Church and the people of God and experience Jesus Christ in your neighborhood. And you... I get emotional when I watch that video of people getting baptized. And I suppose you'd say legitimately so, right? But you know what I'm looking forward to? I'm looking forward to that we'll take photos or video of every baptism that occurs between now and next January. And my prayer is that one of those photos or one of those videos is going to be of your neighborhood. People from your neighborhood getting baptized people from your family, people who you say are not connected to Jesus, but now, you know, they weren't in January of 2015, but when we get a year out from now, they are. Wouldn't that be cool? That's what I'm planning. I'm hoping that people in my neighborhood will come to know Christ as a result of this outreach that we're going to do into the, neighbor, neighbors, uh, into the neighborhoods where you live. Because be aware of this, the driving theme of this Springs Vision campaign is not money, it's not a mortgage, and it's not a building. That's gonna be part of it. But the driving theme is gonna focus on the abilities and the desires of each individual Christian in this room who wanna see friends and family members who are not connected to Jesus Christ 
You want to see that change? That's the driving theme of this year's and this uh, campaign in the spring. We want to see them begin a walk with Christ and what's what we're going to focus on. And I, I need to tell you, it means there's going to be challenges in 2015. I'm quite aware of some that are coming already. And one is, I have a sense, could be the most complex thing that we've ever f- tried to figure out how to do. And namely, you look around the room here today, and can I tell you, it's quite full in here today. We've got people in the balcony. We've got pe- there's few, I mean, we could fit another 75 people in here, maybe, I suppose, if we... You know, we could. The next service, that's probably not the case. It's usually very full. And um, I'm just aware that three of our services, three of the four services are like that right now. And so if we're going to do what we're saying God's calling us to do and reach people, we have to say, okay, we have to look at the service schedule. Is it meeting everyone's needs? Last fall, we took a, um, a survey to ask your preferences about just worship times. And I need to tell you, friends, are you listening? This is a Tom Sager look. Does anyone remember Tom Sager? When he wanted to say something really important, he'd lean forward on his knees like this. Just thought of that. That Tom needs to do that all the time. There's changes coming to our worship service schedule. All right? I don't know what they're all yet going to be, and so it'd be inappropriate for me to try and delineate those for you. But there are changes coming, and I just want to remind you now, before warned, we're going to ask you to exercise those muscles that you have called we embrace change. <laughs> Remember, that's one of the four core values of our church. We embrace change. As a matter of fact, can you say it with me? We embrace change. Some of you didn't say it very enthusiastically. <laughs> so I'm going to help you out. Would you stand up with me this morning? Get your embracing arms out sideways, okay? All right, here we go. And we're going to go, I'm going to give you the demonstration. We embrace change, okay? That's what we're going to do. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. We embrace change. You want to do it one more time? We embrace change. You may be seated and some of you going, I can't stand change. <laughs> it's coming. I need to tell you, all right? I'm not, so to speak, warning you per se as so much as just saying it's the reality of who we are. We've done a lot of things, crazy things over the years together. There's some more coming, I would think. One of them coming in the coming year is that we're going to have to look at how we handle worship services and just simply space in this room. That means that under consideration, or probably not more than consideration, but I mean, we've already started to work on it as a project where we're going to add more video cameras to this room. We already have two, but we need to add larger, more precise cameras so that we can then use that to create space in other rooms in the building and also to allow people as we get more crowded in this room because more difficult to see the stage area. So we're gonna help everybody see this in this room more easily as well as in other rooms. So that's coming, all right? Outside the walls, overseas, we've got two projects scheduled. We've got a medical team headed to Kenya in September and we've got teenagers headed to Cuba in July. Let me tell you about this. Uh, Pastor BJ got me right in his eyeballs. He said, are you looking at me, Wayne? And this week he said, you've got to tell people about the the medical team coming, the medical trip into Kenya in September. That if you're not a medical person, we want you to go and to be considered to go. If you are from the medical community, we need you to go, all right? We have hundreds of people who will walk through the bush three and four days at a time to come to our clinic, all right? It literally, as you can see, it's out in the bush. That hut behind them right there 
I'll, I'll just say what it's made from cow dung. We're out in the bush and they come wanting some medical help. And so if you have any medical experience, we want you to give some thought to that. And when I say medical, I'm talking about EMT, RN. We need some more doctors to go. So those of you who are physicians in the room, would you give some consideration? It's in September. And in that regard, be aware of this. I'm, I'm, people in the past have said, I can't afford to go. Well, this year, we, I don't know how this happened, but the flight prices have come in hundreds of dollars less than in other years. So if you ever say, hey, I would like to go, this would be the year to go on that, okay? That's coming up. We've got teens headed to Cuba. We've been working on this for three or four years. We'd already scheduled to have 50 people in Cuba this, fall, this summer in July. It, I mean, it was all, it's all in play. And then the president comes along and says, we're opening up Cuba. We're on the front edge of what's taking place there in Cuba, friends. It's, God really laid this on the heart of the leaders a number of years ago. I went to Cuba three, two, three times, and I can't remember how many times I've been there. And uh, to kind of prepare the way, we're all set up. And now the country's suddenly open. So we're in, right in the front of that. It's all great news. So that's coming. If Adults, there are a few spaces for adults available on that trip if you'd like to go. Staff, uh, We've got a large staff now that we're a larger church, and so I would assume there might be some staff changes coming along. I'm not aware of anyone who's leaving, but I have really good news for you in this regard, that I do know there are some new staff members coming on board. As a matter of fact, we offered two jobs to two uh, gentlemen this past week. We're still in negotiations uh, for them to begin in some pastoral roles, and I, it's premature for me to tell you who it is because it's that last minute employment stuff. But I need you to know, if it all works out, yes, you're going to be surprised, and it's a cool surprise, okay? So that's coming along. I, I, I guess I want to conclude, though, by saying all this, all we're doing, it's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about this building, or it's about people. Can we reach people? Can we, can we come to the place where we can have more stories from young men like Tim? or other people who we're saying we're having an impact upon their lives. And to that end, I'm going to ask you to hear the story to, today of um, a friend of mine, a friend of our church. Dorothy's been part of the life of our church for 10 years, since 2004. And we're going to have a little chat up here, her and me. And as we do, I need you to listen with very sensitive ears and a sensitive heart to the conversation that we're about to have. Hey, Dorothy, how are you? You got to hold that mic up, sweetie. Can I, let's show them, first of all, how you and I normally say hello. We normally say we're going to shake hands, but then we go. <laughs> so, Dorothy's had, how long have you had cancer, Dorothy? Nine years. Nine years, right? And uh, we help her out in terms of sometimes getting her down to the cancer care center or getting her home. She has a home down on North, on North Monroe, um, just across the street from DMH, right? Yes. And she owns the house, but you may recall, uh, a number of months ago, there was a house that exploded down there and literally disappeared. And there were two houses on either side that were destroyed. One of those was Dorothy's house. And uh, so you didn't, she used to say, I'm homeless, right? Homeless. Homeless, yeah. And I'd say, you're not homeless, you just don't have a home right now. And so she stayed with Tom and Julie Howard for how long? Six months? Six months. Six months, yeah. And then we began the process of building her new house. And uh, when did you move in? When did you move into your house? Saturday. Last Saturday, a week ago, yeah, right? You want to see it? Here's a photo of her house. 
Look at that, isn't that cool? She had, I mean, she had insurance on the house and uh, so much of it was replaced and then we were able to come alongside her and kind of finish it out. So you got some new furniture? Yes. Like what'd you get? All. All new furniture, like a new bed? Yes. New couch? Yes. What color's the couch? Black. Black, okay, and appliances? Yeah. Appliances, what, like a refrigerator? Yes. And washer and dryer and um, dishwasher? Yes. All right. And it's, what's really cool is her other house was an older home that had two floors and the stairs are difficult, but now it's all on one floor, right? Yes. And uh, I asked her the other day, can I come visit? And you said, really? wait, yeah, because? Ready. You're ready now? Okay. <laughs> she said, are you all unpacked? I thought you weren't unpacked. Fast. You're fast? Okay, yeah. <laughs> What about if we invite the whole church? A little bit of a time, yeah. <laughs> I want to remind you, whatever happens in 2015, it's about people. There are Dorothys in your neighborhood. There are aunts and uncles in your family. There are people in Kenya. There are people in Cuba. There are people in this church. It's about people. And Dorothy, thanks for letting us grasp, grasp a little bit of your life today, okay? Would you stand and let's pray together, okay? Lord, Lord God in heaven, we want to, we only want to do what you call us to do and that requires us listening first, Lord. So in a list of things that we'd say we're gonna, got lined up, I... Fair enough, but more importantly, Lord, let us first listen to you and make certain that it all lines up with your plan for our congregation, for us as individuals. And help us reach into the lives of people. Lord, I pray you'd reach into the lives of individuals right at this very moment. Maybe some who are yet not to be, they're not connected with you yet and they need to be. Lord, I'd love to see that individual come to a place of declaring faith in Christ, of being obedient in baptism and Lord, and there are other settings in this room that just need some prayer. So we're lifting it to you right now, asking you, Lord, for, to help us be the people you want us to be, to be the church you want us to be. In Christ's name.